we're going to be teaching on uh, a series uh, called Hell. Next week we're actually going to start teaching or talking about uh, healing. Actually we're going to call it healing is here. A lot of people think they've got to wait uh, to get to heaven or something, but we're going to start talking about healing, not just physical healing, but certainly physical healing. I hear a lot of reports, people that suffer from migraines, people that suffer with different ailments, and I think sometimes we settle, but I believe that Jesus, uh, He makes us more than conquerors, and uh, He makes us to overcome. So we're going to do a new series called Healing is Here. It's a great series for you to inviting people, invite people too, that people need uh, God to do something in their life, and their body. Uh, this week, though, I want to talk to you about your authority as a believer, uh, the, the, your authority as a believer as it relates to the unseen realm. In other words, Jesus said that the unseen is more real than the seen because the things that you can see were made by things that you can't see. How many of y'all know you can't see God? How many of y'all know He's real, right? He's real and He created everything that you can't see. So apparently there is a fourth dimension. We all live in a three-dimensional. We understand one-dimensional. We understand two-dimensional is a plane. We understand three-dimensional is a cube. But there is a fourth dimension. That it, that it's not that our five senses necessarily pick up on that dimension, but nonetheless it is there. And within that dimension is, is there's a whole nother kingdom. There's a whole nother kingdom in this dimension. And it's called the kingdom of God. But there's not just that kingdom. There's, a, there's another kingdom which would be really the kingdom of darkness. And even though you can't see it, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And uh, uh, I gave you a statistic a couple of weeks ago that basically uh, 7 out of 10 Americans... Uh, they have some not great beliefs, or actually, let's just call them wrong beliefs, uh, concerning eternity. Half of the Christians in America don't even believe that hell is a real place. They don't even think it's real. They think that it's figurative. They don't, they don't think that it's real. So whenever you've got 50% of our people, how many of you know they're on our team? Well, that's pretty bad if 50% of your team don't know the rules of the game. Not set up for very good success whenever half of you don't even know which way is the end zone? Where are we going? What do we do? Do we kick it? Do we, do we kick the ball? We don't kick the ball. Soccer? What, 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 what do we do? You got 50% that don't know. That's a problem. And then 70% of those people that do believe in hell think that in order for them not to go, they just have to be good. I mean, I know that's just not the rules of the game if you read the Bible. 70% of Christians think that if I'm a good person, then I get to go to heaven. And that's just clearly. And we've taken some time and looked at many of these scriptures. If you've missed any of these weeks, I encourage you to go online and check them out. Uh, because we just looked at some different misconceptions about the subject of hell. And it's not a subject that a lot of people like to talk about. But how many of y'all think it's pretty important? It's pretty important and it's obviously needed if we have this many people that just have that just polar opposite of what Jesus said about it. Jesus spoke more on the subject of hell than he did about heaven. Uh, why? Because he understands it's a real place. But it's not a place for you and I. It was never designed for us. The Bible says, and I showed you this, that God said that hell was made for the demon and for the devil because of what the devil did. It was for him. It was never meant for us. God didn't create it for us. He created it for him. And yet, because of his influence, he, he leads people astray. Why? Well, because the devil can't hurt God. But you can hurt God's kids. And what better way to hurt God than to hurt his kids? Because if God is anything like I am, which I am, like, like I'm created in his image, like you can hurt me, but don't mess with who? 
Don't mess with my kids, right? I would jump in front of a bullet. I would do anything, right? Just don't. I just want my kids to be in health and prosper, even as their soul prospers. So, so that's, the, that's the way God feels about us. So the enemy, he comes at us to really hurt the heart of God because that's the only thing, that's the only thing that, that can pain him. So I want to look at, though, this, these other kingdoms. And we're going to look at angels. We're going to look at the devil or look at demons. And then we're going to look at uh, what we're fighting for. Now, at my house, if you've ever been to my house, I have lots of animals uh, at my house right now. Uh, I, have, I have peacocks, I have guineas, I have fancy chickens, and I have regular chickens. And there is a difference, uh, just so you know. Uh, we, we have a tortoise, and we have a lionhead rabbit, and we have some bobwhite quail. We have a pretty big saltwater aquarium. And we have a horse. What else do we have? And I got a dog. Uh, amongst all that, I have, I have a dog. And over the years, I've had bees. Is there anybody else in here that, that has bees, that keeps bees? All right, all right. Well, then you're going to get a bee education then. Because if you ever, if you have bees, like, a, and you order bees, I don't even know if you, if you know this, but you order bees uh, from a bee company and they ship them to your house. It's really, really weird because it's, it's in a little screen box and you can see the bees in there. And it sounds like an engine. It goes, and the postman, he drops it off because he's scared to death, right? He's like, <laughs> He's freaked out, right? He's got these, but inside that ball is a queen. And within that, and then you take, and you know, I have a hive, so you take the bees out there, and you, you take the queen, and you put the queen in the hive, and, and she, she, she's the mama. She's what it's all about. If you're a man, you know what I'm talking about. It's all about the queen, baby. It's all about the queen. Well, mama, mama queen, she's the queen in there. Her, her job is, is that, uh, she, she reproduces, right? And within that hive, you have worker bees, and, 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 and they do the work. you got some of those bees, they build the honeycomb. Some of the bees, they go out and they get nectar. Some of the other bees, they go out, and you'll see them whenever they fly back in and they land on their little landing zone. They have these giant pockets on the back of their legs that are full of pollen and they come back with these two big wads on the back of them. They're bringing the pollen in. And then if you have, if you have hive beetles or if you have stuff that tries to get into that beehive, then you have these warrior bees and they come out and they mess with, the, they, they, they attack, right? Like if you go up to, to my beehive or something like that and you mess with it, uh, how many of y'all know what's going to happen? They coming at you. They're coming for you. But all of them, they all have, it's a little kingdom there. It's a kingdom. And there's a head to that kingdom. And then there's within that kingdom, there's a lot of work that's going on. And God's kingdom is very much the same way. We have a natural kingdom, right? We live in America and there's a hierarchy. And you have, you have the president down. And then you have the chain of command all the way down. And we have this on local levels. You have this in your home, Right? I mean, so you're supposed to. Your kids are not supposed to run your home, right? You're supposed to run your kids, right? There, there is a hierarchy there. How I many y'all know we didn't dream that up? No, we're created in God's image, and we see it in the animal kingdom. We see it in our own kingdom. And all of this is also happening in an unseen kingdom, in the unseen realm, in the kingdom of God. There are, a lot, there are some bees out there. And God calls them angels. Is really in there. And there's all different types of angels. And if you're, if you're a Bible nerd, you're going to enjoy this, this morning uh, because I'm going to give you some, some, some Bible words. 
and uh, some different verses that you can look up while you're at home because really we could teach for we could teach for a month just on, there's over 250 scriptures that deal with with angels you know and I don't have time to go through 250 scriptures but I can just give you just a little bit so that you understand this kingdom so in your worship guide for Isaiah chapter 6 verse 2 the first type of angels are the seraphim so just write S E R A P H I M and I gave you a verse there, and we're not going to look at that verse because we don't have time. But, but if you read that verse or verses like that, the seraphim, a lot of times they, can, that they, uh, that they deal in worship. You see them around the throne of God worshiping. The second type of angels, the cherubim. And you see them in Scripture. They're the guards. They're the guards. That verse is Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. And again, there's a lot. I'm just giving you a verse. I could give you a lot more. But there'd be a neat study if some of you wanted to, to look at some of this stuff. The third one I give you is in Jude chapter 9. That's the archangels. And you see this, the archangel Michael or the archangel Gabriel. If they show up in the Bible, something significant is happening. Right? They're, they're telling the world, peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. For unto you is born the city of David. I mean, I remember that story. Or they're visiting Mary and they're saying, hey, you're going to be with child. And even though you've never been with a man. I mean, this big significant events. And they're warriors. They're fighters. We see in Daniel that Daniel prayed and his prayers were hung up in the unseen realm. But, but all of a sudden, he got a glimpse into that realm. And Michael and Gabriel came and, and, and took over the situation and freed his prayers so that they could go on. Isn't that crazy? And we, I mean, I know that there's a lot going on that we don't think about. It's just, it's, a, it's another kingdom. It's, it's in a, another dimension. I mean, I know it's still real. It's still real. And really, you can't lean on it if you don't believe in it and if you don't, if you don't acknowledge it. So, so that's the archangels. The next one, Hebrews chapter 1 says that there's ministering spirits. He says, are, not, are they not all ministering spirits? So, one of the, so there's angels and their job is, is just to minister. They bring ministry. They're there to help. And then the next one, you have guardian angels. Psalms 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of Mosai. If you read that, and he says that he gives his angels charge over us. And there's lots of, you know, people that have experienced some of this and they, they know without a shadow of doubt that the only reason that they made it out is there was some unseen reality that came in and helped them. And maybe you've experienced that in your own life. You say, man, I should not be here, but I don't know how, how I made it out, but something happened. Well, scripturally, we know that there are these, uh, there, there, there's, there's guardian angels that help and that protect and they are all part of. Of this kingdom. I want to give you this verse here in, in Psalms chapter 103 because this is going to tell us a little bit about what they do, about why they do it. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. The Lord did it. He established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over what? Everybody say all. His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. I, I want you to really uh, think about because this is, uh, this is one of the main things I want, I want you to see is that these angels, they hearken unto the voice of God and they hearken unto the word of God. In other words, these angels just aren't like flying around without any order. 
No, that they have an assignment, but one of the things that they do is they hearken to the voice of God or they obey the Word of God. Now, there's different ways that the voice of God comes out. One way that the voice of God comes out is, of course, through His Word, and there is times whenever God speaks. But the number one way that God's Word comes out in the earth is through His church, or it should be. In other words, the Word of God should be coming out of you. Everybody say, me. The Word of God was written so that it could be spoken. And, and there's the, the Word of God should be coming out of the church. And watch this. Whenever the Word of God comes out from the church, what gets mobilized? I just told you. There you go. Whenever the Word of God, they hearken unto that. In other words, if there is no Word going out, what are they doing? Who knows, man? Maybe they're sailing. <laughs> Who knows what they're doing? Maybe they're, maybe they're into skeet shooting. I don't, I don't know. So the question, the million dollar question is, uh, what's your angel doing and what, what's the last thing that he's done? Have you ever thought about it? Has he just been on perpetual vacation? Or has he just been guarding you, keeping your butt alive? <laughs> like his number one job is just to keep you from killing yourself. It's just like, all I do is I'm trying to keep these people, trying to keep my people alive. But really what, what, they're, what they're wanting to do is establish, it says right here, the kingdom of God in the earth. God's kingdom rules over everything. And he says that, that you, his angels, it says that they excel in strength. Come on, somebody, that's good news right there. In other words, they carry a, a, a fourth dimension strength. They carry something that is out of this world. And they're waiting to be mobilized. They hearken unto their strength is for those who do His Word. Heeding the voice of His Word. Something powerful happens whenever we take the Word of God. We become the church and we mobilize these unseen realities to do the kingdom of God. How many of y'all have ever felt like you're alone? How many of you felt like you're doing it alone? I got good news for you, baby. You're not. You're not. That there's a company. There's a, the Bible calls Jesus, He's the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of hosts. What are these hosts and what are they doing? Well, they're not. They're, they're waiting for the word of God so that they can go. You remember in the Old Testament, and, and there used to be, whenever I was uh, uh, younger, a Jacob's Ladder. How many of you know that? There was a movie. Remember Jacob's Ladder? Well, that came out of the Old Testament. Is Jacob had a vision. Or, or he saw, God let him see into this other realm. And y'all remember what he saw. The Bible says that he looked into the other realm and he says, I saw angels ascending and descending. They were going between heaven and between earth and they were moving and they were carrying things. God just gave that guy a glimpse and then thank God it was recorded. I'm not glad it was recorded for us. It's in your Bible so that you can get a glimpse that there is a ladder, that there is, there is an unseen world and there is this transaction going on. And it's our job uh, to, 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 to work with that. He says that, he, he, that they heed the words of God. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of His, you who do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all the places of His, what? Everybody say dominion. I mean, I like that name. I mean, I just want to name a bulldog dominion or something. I do. I just want to get, get a bulldog and name him dominion. Get over here, dominion. 
What, 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 what's God tried to establish? His dominion. You say, yeah, but God's God. He can do whatever He wants. Yeah, but God has a kingdom. And He's established rules and laws in His kingdom the way that we establish rules and laws in our kingdom. I mean, I know you can't do just whatever you want whenever you want in our United States of America kingdom. I mean, I know that. Mr. Zombreaker going to come get you. Right? There's people in law enforcement. They're going to come get you and say, yeah, but I get to do what I want. And they're like, no, you're going to the pokey. You're going... <laughs> You're, you're, you're going to be incarcerated. Why? Because there's laws and there's a kingdom there. And God has established certain laws. But he's put us in the church. He's put the church as the overseer that we execute these laws. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So there is this all these kingdom, uh, that these angelic beings within the, within the kingdom of God. And we should be using them. And God gave us the authority to use them. Now there's another hive. You could call these the killer bees. How many know what killer bees are? You don't have to provoke a killer bee for him to kill you, right? They're vicious, right? And they have their own network. And their, their queen bee is, is, is who we know to be Lucifer now or Satan. Now, this is another one of these things that if you ask most Christians, they don't even believe that, that there is a Satan. Well, how, that's, if you read the Bible, and I'm going to show you how we got here. Because the next question is, is, is well, well, how did Satan become Satan? Or, or what happened to Lucifer as an angel? Have you ever wondered, how did he get to where he was? How did, how did he get in that, in that situation? Well, he's a fallen angel. That's what he is. He's a fallen angel. He was an archangel. And I'm going to read you how significant of an archangel he was. But he convinced one-third of the angels to try to overthrow God's kingdom. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. <laughs> Why? He was cast out. And I'll read to you why he was cast out. So i got two verses. You can write them in your, in your worship guide here. And then I'm going to show you some of these different names. The reason I'm showing you this is because he's a fallen angel. And if, he's a, if, if angels hearken to the word of God, would, would, could we assume that fallen angels hearken unto the word of God? In other words, if we can use the Word of God to put angels on the move, how many of y'all think we could use the Word of God to put fallen angels on the move? I'll show you that, that we can. In other words, a lot of times we just accept things as our reality, but I believe God's given us the name that's above all names. He's given us the blood of Jesus, right? He's given us the Word of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the enemies, against the devil in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And then he tells us to put on this armor so that we can come out and be against every principality and power and spiritual wickedness in high places. He gives these different categories of demonic forces but he says once you've got on the whole armor of God you take your weapons then, then you can with the word of God you can move some of these things out of the way but I want to show you how we got here Isaiah chapter 14 this is speaking about the devil how the devil became the devil how Lucifer was his name how he became Satan it says how have you fallen from heaven O shining star son of the morning You've been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. 
For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and I will set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of God's far away in the north, north meaning heaven. He says, I will climb to the highest heavens and I will be like the most high. There's five I wills, and I don't have time to get into all five of them, but if you want to look at them sometime, there's five I wills that he said, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. Now we're about to read, God gave his five, five different wills. I love it. Don't you love our king? I just love it. I just love it. Now he's going to come in and he says, no, but you will do this. You will do this. You will do this. You will do this. And let's see what, let's see what he says. So he says, instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Everyone will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? I want you to imagine there's a day whenever you're really going to see the devil that caused all of the atrocities, all of the things, all of the ways that he influenced. And the light bulb is going to go off in our brain and we're going to say, is this the one that shook? The nations. Is this the one that, 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 that did million, the Holocaust? I mean, you just think about it. Was this the one? He says, everyone will stare at you and ask, can this be the one? He says, is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? The kings and the nations, they lie in stately glory, each in his own tomb. But you will be thrown out of your grave like a worthless branch, like a corse trampled underfoot. You will be dumped into a mass grave with those killed in battle. You will descend to the pit. Everybody say, Padao. I love it. I mean, I know we win. We win. Ezekiel chapter 28. This is going to tell you a little bit more about him. Thus saith the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Think about that because we think of the devil with a pitchfork and a forked tail. But apparently God's words here, he says, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, highly intelligent, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. You were in the garden of God and every precious stone was your covering. Watch this. His clothes or he was covered. He says you were covered with the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, and the emerald with gold. That's what he was covered. It's what he looked like. And it says, watch this. He says the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. What I want you to see here, number one, is that God created him. He didn't exist. He, doesn't, he didn't come from the beginning like God. No, the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens. God created the earth. And God created everything in them. So this is a created being that tried to usurp his authority over God. And God caught him and threw him down. But it says it, within him is these timbrels and pipes prepared for him. So apparently there's some type of instrument characteristics to him. I don't know if the pipes are within his form or his being or, or if he carries uh, instruments or music with him, but there's something significant here about uh, this, this aspect of him that there is a musical something that has to do with him. It says, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways. From the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. 
And by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart, watch this, was lifted up because of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Now there's two passages that have to do with how Lucifer, this great archangel, became uh, the head of, of, of hell. Uh, there's others you could look at, but I felt these, these were important. But, but I want to show you now what we're fighting for. Why does he care? What is he doing? What, what is all this about, right? Because, okay, I see there's angels and I see, okay, that, that there is there's a kingdom of darkness, right? And there's a hell and they've got these, the, these, these fallen angels. But, but what, are, what, what, what is it all about? What, what, is it, what, what are they fighting for? Well, they're fighting for what God calls the kingdom of God. And within his kingdom, you have the city of God or you have heaven, and then the next thing you have is you have the citizens of God. That the, the, the devil is, is coming. He's always coming against the city of God or where God lives. And he's always coming against us as citizens. He's always, he's, uh, the Bible says that he goes about seeking whom he may devour, right? He goes like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. And he's trying, he wants to come against what he knows he'll never have. And we're fighting for something pretty spectacular. I want to read you in Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 6. This is what, this is what, what we're fighting for. This is what's coming. He says, The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. Now, my kids just got back from the Houston Zoo yesterday. I submit to you, if you put a goat in there with the leopard, how many of y'all know what you're going to have? <laughs> it's going to be a mess, right? If you try to put the calf and the lion together, how many of y'all know that you're going to have a problem there? But here, God is telling us that there is a time that's coming where there's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. And the devil's going to be cast into, he's going to be chained up for a thousand years, put into the lake of fire. And, right, and this is going to be the result. There's going to be absolute harmony. And here he actually says that, not, that kids will, will, will be able to be around any type of animal. Now, if you remember, how many of y'all remember the Garden of Eden? Who was the boss in the Garden of Eden? Say, well, God, but really it wasn't God. God. God told Adam, he says, he says, you take dominion over the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, over the fish of the sea. How many of y'all remember that? God told him, he said, you take dominion, you subdue these animals. But how many of y'all know what happened? The serpent came in and messed everything up. And now if I throw you in a lion's den, you're going to be lying lunch. Right? But there's coming a day whenever God's going to restore everything back the way that he originally created. And here he says a, a child will actually live and will be with them. He says the infant will play near the cobra's den. Not my baby. <laughs> I mean, all the mamas are saying, not my baby. But here he says, he says, actually, he says the child will play near the cobra's den. 
the young child will put his hand into a viper's nest, and they will neither harm nor destroy anything in my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The whole earth will know by the glory of God. And in the day that in that day the root of Jesse, meaning Jesus, Jesus will stand as a banner for all people, and the nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. How many are ready for that day? Yes. Come on, bring it on. How many are ready for that day? Well, now I told you at the beginning of the message, we're the ones that hearken that day. In other words, a lot of times we think we're waiting on God for that day, but really God is waiting for the church to be the church. That's what he's waiting for. He's waiting on, he says, the precious fruit of the earth. In other words, if he came back now, too many people would go to hell. So he's mobilizing the church to use the resources that he's given us to influence the world because he doesn't wish that any should perish. He leave the 99 to go find the one. So he's waiting on us to use even these unseen realities to take the word of God and put fallen angels on the run, to take the word of God and to use these warring, ministering, messaging these other angels, get them doing something besides playing ping pong, right? While we live our lives. The goal is for him to, to, to bring this to pass. Watch, I'll show you in Hebrews chapter 2. And I'm closing with this. I have to close. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 14 and 15. It says, Because God's children are human beings, they're made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could He die. And only by dying could He what? Could He break the power of who? Jesus said, the only way that I can get my people to do what I've called them to do is their flesh and blood. I'll have to become flesh and blood. And by me becoming flesh and blood, he says that through my death, I'll break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. In other words, Jesus did everything he did so that we wouldn't be slaves. He did all of it so that we wouldn't be slaves. And he mobilized us. In fact, if you remember way back in Genesis, uh, uh, God told Satan, he says, he says there's coming, there's going to come somebody out of the seed of a woman and he's going to crush your skull and you're going to bruise his foot. You have to go back and you, you can see that after the fall. God told him, he says, he says, Lucifer, I'm telling you, you were in the garden and you were really significant. But because of what you've done, I'm going to bring someone. And we know this person to be Jesus. And he said, you're going to bruise his foot, but it's only while he's crushing your skull. Or in other words, he's going to break your power and your dominion. And he's going to break that ability that you have. And he's going to give it back to the church. So this is your takeaway. You say, okay, well, I get it. So, so, so what am I to do? And you'll have to write these down because I don't have time to, to, to give you all three of them. But this is how we, how we overcome. The first verse is Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, and we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Yes. We overcome by what? Everybody say the blood of the lamb. And watch this. He says, and by the word of our testimony. 
So the way that we appropriate this is we need to have faith in the blood of Jesus. We have to have faith in what Jesus did for us. And with that blood, we actually, we can overcome. How many of y'all know God wants you to be an overcomer? Come on, God doesn't have me go through, the, go through this whole message just so that you can leave with a lesson. No, God wants you to leave as an overcomer. God wants you to understand that there's an awareness, that there is a fourth dimension, there is an unseen reality. And with the blood and with the word of your testimony, what is your testimony? On a day-to-day basis, what, what is your testimony? Is it, I'm broken, or I'm beat down, or I'm upset, or I'm depressed? No, I'd encourage you to change that testimony around. To, unsee, to see that there's a fourth dimension, that there's another reality. And Jesus went through a lot so that you could be an overcomer. So if I was you, I'd start calling myself an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. You may not feel like an overcomer. But, but the word of your testimony is what causes you to overcome. Was it not Jesus that said, let the weak say, I am what? I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. So we overcome by the word of the Lamb, by, the, by, the, uh, by our testimony. And then the last one, James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I read the part of the verse that everybody reads. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? Everybody, everybody knows that verse. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But the first part of that verse says, what's the first word of the whole verse? Submit yourself to who? God. To God. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I submit to you that there are some people that are trying to resist the devil and he ain't going nowhere. And the reason is not because the name's not strong enough or the blood's not powerful enough or that angels don't hearken to the word of God. We know all that to be true. It's not that the sword of the spirit's not sharp enough or the shield of faith's not big enough. No, I submit the problem that he usually doesn't flee is because the first word of the verse is submit yourself to God. I heard years ago, I never forgot this, and I always loved it, Joyce Meyer. She says, uh, she says, don't think you can control the devil if you can't control yourself. That's a good word right there now. Good word right there. Don't think you're going to control the devil. And then she actually took it further. She says, if you can't not eat the cookie. How many of y'all guilty? Guilty. Guilty. If you can't keep from eating a cookie, don't be binding and loosing Lucifer trying to do this spiritual warfare. If you can't control yourself, don't think you're going to control God. In other words, submit yourself to God first. Then you resist the devil and he will flee. Amplified actually says he'll run in terror. He'll run from you. There's a story in the Bible where, where, where they came and uh, they tried to cast the devil out of, this, out of this man. And the devil jumped all over them and stripped them naked and had them running home to Jesus naked. How many of you ever felt like the devil jumped on you, stripped you naked, and had you running to Jesus going, Help! Help Jesus! Help! Help Jesus! And the reason is, is they said, they said, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who are you? In other words, they were trying to, they were trying to cast something out, but, but they didn't have, 
they weren't submitted to God in such a way. So my admonition to us is let's, 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 see that, let's understand there are unseen realities and God's given us supernatural weapons and things that we can use. We have authority as a believer to move some good bees and to move some bad bees. God's waiting on us to, to, over, to overtake, to plunder hell and to establish heaven. That's what God's waiting on us. And we can do it. Come on, everybody say, I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Listen, the whole point of this series of, of hell was to give us, because a lot of times we're found looking down. I mean, I'm talking about, but Jesus is always saying, look up, look up, lift your eyes up, look up. You say, well, I can't. I'm on Facebook. He's saying, look up, look up, look up. And you're like, I can't. My, I just Snapchat or I'm Twitter. He said, look up, look up, look up. Said, I can't. I'm working. I'm working. I'm looking at my 401k. I'm looking at my retirement. I'm looking. I'm, looking, I'm watching my kids. I'm watching. And Jesus says, look up, look up, look up. There's a whole, there's a whole other uh, a realm that lasts forever. It lasts forever. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There's a kingdom of God. There is a kingdom of darkness. And God wants us to function in the highest level and, and be His hands, His feet in the earth. And we do that with our mouth, with our faith in God. Mm -hmm.